as well as other professions and companies, including the Boiling Pe Teacher Boiling Pot, which has been featured in numerous film festivals and won memorable awards. Our next guest is Omar Ashmawi. Omar Ashmawi was born September 20, 1987 in Washington, D.C. He spent the most of his school years continent hopping through travels with the span of Germany, Turkey, Africa, the Americas, and all in between. Interested in movie culture since his youth, his travels helped him grasp a comprehensive notion of film and how it is presented in film in different cultures. Omar studied economics at the University of Michigan with a minor in screen arts and film. After moving to Southern California, he then furthered his education with directing and filmmaking degree from the New York Film Academy at his campus at Universal Studios all the while working full-time in corporate America. Omar has gone to, on to produce, write, and direct many commercials and short films for Ashmawi Films and other production companies. Boiling Pot is Omar's first full feature film. Our next guest is Russell Curry. Russell Curry is a model, actor, film producer for Rancho, from Rancho Cucamonga, California. Though some may refer to his career path since receiving his BS in biological sciences from UC Irvine, as um, contrasting, he prefers the term well-rounded. Since the age of eight, Curry has been part of countless musical performances and various acting roles on stage and on screen. Most notable, however, is his work as an executive produ producer, script consultant, and actor in the independent feature film Boiling Pot, based on the true events of racism on college campuses during the time that Curry was a student. Russell hopes that films can serve as a platform for awareness, understanding, and healing. And our last guest, Andrew Liu. With a university background in biology and economics from UC Irvine, Andrew has accumulated a diverse array of skills and expertise. From video production to professional music artist management, volunteering, political campaigns, and corporate work, as well as having founded his own startups, Andrew has a passion for philanthropy, optimizing, and optimizing the time to make an impact in his community. So folks, give it up for our panelists. Thank you all for sticking around. I know it's been a long day already. And uh, Fred, you know this because it's your, your third time watching the movie. For those of you, the first time, I know you all heard me mention in the intro that we had a, a blackout in the New York screening for about 10 minutes. It's not part of the movie, okay? I know it happened here as well. It's just, I think we're, we're cursed or something. But anyway, um, you know, I, I feel like uh, the, the ending, obviously, as well as, as a lot of other things in the film were kind of left open-ended. and. Um, some people may call that a cop-out. I think that was very intentional on our end because our message is to let's, let's start the dialogue. Let's talk about this. But are we going to answer the questions? Well, I don't feel like it's our part as, as storytellers to answer the questions. I feel like that's, that's all of us. That's going to be a collective thing that we do as a community. How do we address this issue that is a very important issue and it's a very, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a divisive issue in our, in our community. So we felt that we're not necessarily going to give the messages in, this is what we want you to think, but instead, 
let's get let's start talking about this and then let's hear what all of us have to think and so that's why I feel like having a Q&A discussion especially after a movie like this is, is really great because um, you know hopefully all of us can collectively be a part of the solution to racism in our country as well. Any other panelists want to respond? Well, I, speaking for myself only, I wish I could say that I've always cared about racism, but I haven't. Uh, you know, I may be a minority, but it's not something that's always on the forefront of my mind. So it's not, I, personally, I didn't make this film because I cared a lot about racism. You know, Omar came, he heard of an event that happened where a noose was hung and um, in one case a lynching happened. He told me, let's make a movie about this. And I, seemed, I said, oh, okay, it seems like an interesting story to make, let's make the film. It's kind of interesting that when you throw yourself in there, and you know, I reached out to Russell without knowing him and I told him, you know, give me some stories that happened on your campus because I didn't, I didn't attend this university. And he didn't respond for a week or so. I thought he forgot about me. Then he emailed me like a novel of stories that happened. And it's when I read all these stories, I thought, okay, this is, this is actually a real thing. We're not gonna make a fictional film here. We have enough to cover a, uh, a full-length feature film because it started off being a short film. And too much stuff, so it's gonna be a full-length feature and it's all gonna be real stuff. So all the events that happened are real. We just created the characters to kind of create the narrative intertwining all of the stories. So for me, it, uh, it started off being, let's make a movie about something interesting and ended up being, this is really, really serious and a movie is not enough and I really hope people understand how serious it is. Um, grab this thing really quick. So I think one of the things um, we talked about a lot early on when we were developing the script <clears throat> Uh, together was that, you know, at the end of reading it, or at the end of watching this movie, you're going, everybody is probably going to see a reflection of themselves in this film. And um, through that, they can begin to question their own beliefs or their own, you know, hidden uh, or subtle and, and uh, not so outspoken views about society and begin to question, you know, the way that they look at the world from, from here on out. And hopefully this can be the beginning of, you know, um, dialogue and an inner dialogue for that for that individual as well. So um, I think that was definitely a really big um, thing we set out to do with the film. Uh, yeah, this making this film for me was really uh, life changing in and of itself. Um, if we made you feel uncomfortable, we're not sorry. <laughs> we are, but we we are happy because it spurs a lot of. Self-reflection is not ever generally a pleasant thing for many people because self-reflection entails you want to get to somewhere where you weren't before, which means that you have to step out of your comfort zone and your bubble, which again, stepping out of your comfort zone is not comfortable. Um, and we, you know, my purpose for coming to this film was to really join um, in with Russell to communicate those messages. And in fact, um, it broke down a lot of barriers for me even uh, interacting with people on this team, with Russell. And you know, I don't want to play off stereotypes, but you know, you see a lot of these, some of these Asian kids who think they're black and they walk around and all, all this and that. And it's, you know, it, it really questioned perspectives for me, for my friends, for my network. And it made me feel uncomfortable. And I was like, dude, was I really acting this, this way? Or did things I said, you know, two years ago really impact this person this way? I didn't really know it. 
Um, and so I grew yes. from that experience. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Russell. Appreciate it. Um, so yeah, that. Um, so to answer your question, Fred, uh, you know, it was intentional that we made this as uncomfortable as as feasibly possible because film is meant to be a fictional world, right? You know, women might go to watch um, a rom-com because they can't get real Prince Charlie in real life. Um, or men might watch Jason Bourne because they want to feel like they can kick someone's butt after the film, for example. We wanted to have the violence on the screen so that you guys, you know, the audience could take that and not have to, you know, uh, it didn't have to happen in real life. It could happen on the screen and generate these types of conversations. Now we're going to open it up to the audience for any questions. We have microphones that are uh, floating around. Just raise your hand and someone will come to you. And we, again, let me reiterate, we know these can sometimes be difficult, but very important conversations. So we encourage you to take that step, okay? As comfortable or uncomfortable as it may be. I'll go ahead and ask a question. First of all, thank you guys very much for having the courage to create such an incredible, compelling story. I found myself emotional in many different parts of the movie, and especially at the end, um, more so with the live footage of the real reality of the situation. Um, I'm not really sure what my question is in terms of, I know what you were trying to get out of it is make everybody uncomfortable, but as we, as educators here on this campus, and even in our own personal lives, how do we engage in the dialogue and unpack our own emotions as we're trying to create the healing, create the understanding, but you know, a little guidance would be great in how we approach that. It's a really hard question. <laughs> no, and you know, it, it, is, it is a tough question, and, and I, I feel like, um, you know, it, it kind of depends on, on the, the situation. I mean, we, we found ourselves, even when we were on set, um, approaching really difficult conversations to have in terms of the, the script and in terms of what to include, and, and even, you know, given that we are two, I mean, my, my brother and I sure we're minorities, but doesn't mean that we know what it's like to live as, a, as, a, as an African-American or as an Asian-American. And so writing this script even, you know, thinking, well, is, is this really appropriate to say? And is, is, is this a, a reflection of, of reality? And, and bringing Russell on board even opened up you know, our eyes to show us that even with good intentions, sometimes you can be, you can be offensive. And so I, I, feel, I personally feel like it's, it's, it's the elephant in the room. And, um, and, and the the way to start healing is to simply have the dialogue. And, and I, I feel like people are so uncomfortable to talk about it that we never get to the healing part because we'll just, we just refuse to acknowledge it altogether. Um, and at the end of the day, I mean, all of us are, all, all of, everyone at the end of the day essentially just wants to be happy and wants to get along with, with the rest, with everyone else. And so it's, it's a matter of just talking with each other. And maybe it'll be uncomfortable at first, but I think in the long run, it helps us all to kind of get our feelings out there and really I feel that sometimes we're scared to feel vulnerable in front of others. And instead of, you know, holding back and then not saying my true feelings, well, just get it all out on the table, and then we can all just look at each other and, you know, there was, there was one scene in the film that we meant to, uh, for those of you who are uh, at all familiar with filmmaking uh, terms, to break the fourth wall and to have the character just speak right to the camera. And that was when Ale the character of Alexander was just saying, you know, why are you here? 
and you, you see someone who looks this way and you start thinking this and that. And we meant to have him kind of just speaking straight to the audience and hopefully as, as the audience is watching that scene thinking, well, do I feel this way? Do I really see someone and immediately I already have some kind of stereotypes attached to this person because of the way that they look? And if I do, well, why is that? Does that make me a bad person? Doesn't necessarily make me a bad person? Or am I just someone who's absorbing everything around me and I can't help it? And that's okay, I mean, all, no one's perfect, but to, just to start having those discussions, I mean, even something as simple as this, it's, it's so healthy and yet we very rarely do it on, you know, on a, on a, on a wider stage in this country. When, when race is brought up, it seems to be like, oh, this guy's playing the race card. Well, it's not a card, it's, it's not a game. This is, this is a conversation that's real that we need to be having, um, whether it's in a classroom or on the you know, political stage or, or, or what have you. But, yeah. Please. I, I think you really tackled that wonderfully. I think um, you know, the only thing I would add to that, actually, I mean, you kind of mentioned it. I mean, having... Um, I really applaud this university for doing the narratives, um, for doing an event series where, you know, every time that that there's a speaker or a film or something brought to this campus, it's um, not just with the purpose of entertaining, but um, to bring you know a heightened awareness around social issues that we don't get to talk about every day. Um, so, you know, to to support an event like this is extremely important. Um, to continue to have events like this is extremely important um, as far as like making progress as, as we're talking about. So those are my two cents. First of all, gentlemen, uh, you have a lot of guts. And, uh, it's a very difficult subject to deal with, but I give you a lot of credit dealing with that subject. I think what you did is you asked people to ask a question for self-examination because that's real. I've been through it. I was here in the 70s and I had the experience of being called N-word and this was about I was going to class, going to an eight o'clock class, and somebody walked by me, and they just said, I am. And uh, I didn't receive it. I just you know, stayed focused, because I, I knew that because of the time I was here, if anything would have went down, I would have been blamed for it. And so I knew that I had too much to lose. Um, I was a, at the time, I was a walk-on baseball player here. And um, I was blessed to be here. And I valued um, the opportunity to be here at UC Irvine to play baseball. And so um, sometimes you have to dig deep. We don't like dealing with subjects like this, but it's real. So we have to look look inward and say, you know, what can we do? What and what can I do to you know, to make a difference? And 
And so um, you know, I thank you for um, again having the guts to do that and um, keep pushing the envelope because um, we want to keep challenging people to self-examine themselves. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If, if I can please comment on that. Uh, no, sir, thank you very much for, for, uh, for your encouraging words. But I just want to say one thing. Um, that happened to you back in the 70s, and I can only imagine how difficult that was. But honestly, in today's world, just piggybacking off of what Omar said about honesty and how maybe, maybe we can say what, what we're thinking and not be afraid to say it. Had that happened to you today, in today's world, and somebody called the cops and the cops come, you may not be with us today. Because in today's world, when cops come, things get worse. And I think in 2015, we can count how many people were killed by cops because of the color of their skin. I know there's a lot of things about, oh, well, he looked like he had a gun, or he looked like he was this and that. In some cases, they were 12 years old. By the way, you guys may have noticed, um, we had a scene in there where Trey was wearing the hood, right? And, you know, at one point it was mentioned that he, she was scared of a guy in a hoodie. That was written and shot and edited and finished before the Trayvon Martin incident. We were not trying to hint to the Trayvon Martin incident. It just so happens that history kind of repeats itself. And every time it repeats itself, apparently it repeats itself um, in a worse and worse manner. But, uh, you know, it's just funny to hear things that happened back 40, 46, 47 years ago, and in today's world, it's just kind of worse and uh, more and more difficult. Thank you. Good question back there. Hi, I, uh, I just try to, to express myself as much as I can, and my language is not so good. Um, I just felt that while you have been trying to approach an ethnic problem, uh, you yourself uh, fall in, uh, in, in an ethnic trap. Um, uh, by not uh, emphasizing uh, the, 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 the other side's point of view a little. I mean, to open a discussion, you need two sides. Uh, I felt from, from what I've seen, like uh, we majority are, are like uh, angels. I mean, it's, it's mainly a problem with the white people, and this, this is not, not true, not totally true. So uh, I think just uh, we, we need to approach the problem from, from both sides. Uh, this will have discussions, and this even will open uh, the door for the other side to, 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 to share. Uh, if we just look into actually, we will see that uh, we, we are discussing the problems ourselves. And this, this, we don't want this. We, we want to, to, to widen the, 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 the sharing of this problem, discussing the other side, mainly, not only the, the, the minorities with, with the different cultures. This is the, the first question, actually. Uh, I don't know if, if I've seen this right or not, but uh, uh, most of the scene that, uh, yeah, that was uh, on the screen for, for the minorities were, uh, were actually um, putting all the blame on the way of the white people think and act, and while the others are just very innocent, and I don't think it's totally right. The other point, actually, uh, it's, it's a little bit technical in, in, in the movie itself. I didn't understand the last scene. Uh, I mean, when, when the guy was, sh was shot and then he just 
kept walking until he went to the uh, yeah this this I, I need just to, to understand what, what do you mean by this so, so there were two questions. Um, can you respond to both? Sure. So let me let me start with the first. In that the film portrays the uh, the situation as you know minorities are always the victims, or let's just to, to to be to say it in a simpler way that that African Americans are always the victims of racism, and that you know the white man is always the uh, the antagonist. Um, we were very careful in writing the script to show that everyone is guilty. At some point, everyone is guilty. Now, some will say that due to the definition of racism, you can't be racist unless, you ha unless society gives you authority over someone else. And so some will say, well, so it's impossible for a black person to be racist. But it is possible for them to have some prejudiced feelings. I don't want to get into the semantics there. I don't, I don't feel like that's the issue. I feel that the issue is that we were careful to show that every character, including even the character of Tremaine himself, while he was, you know, receiving the racism, perhaps from the from some of the other characters, he was also kind of dishing it out, talking about the the Arab character as well, who's, who's Osama over there, you know, who's this and that. And so we, we were careful to do that to show that yes, there are, you know, there we have to reflect real life at the same time. And and the fact is that throughout the history of our country. Minorities have been the victims much more than they have been the aggressors. And so in order to, to balance it out is important, but at the same time, we don't want to you know, distort reality. And so, yeah, I felt, I felt like it was, it, it's, it's definitely a challenge to tell the story in a fair way. Um, I don't feel like we did a perfect job myself as, as a director, and I, I think that everyone, anyone who's ever been, any, any artist who looks back at their work you know, you always see all the mistakes. And as I'm watching, I'm like, I wish we'd just done that instead, or change this or this or that. But you know, uh, this this it was it was a challenge. Like I said, it was a it was a collective decision uh, to try to take a balanced approach to this script. And um, but I, I I do feel like it is fair to say that every one of us is is guilty at you know in in, in one way or another. And we tried to portray that. Um, regarding the last scene. You know, like I said, I think we like to leave some things open-ended, so I'm gonna go ahead and take the fifth on that one. I'm not going to, I think that that is up to interpretation. And we've had, by the way, we've had several people talk to us and say, oh, I, I, I know who's the one that shot him, it was this person or that person. Funny enough, we never had the same answer from anybody. It's always like, I know who it was, it's so obvious it's this person. Uh, the, the whole point is, again, we're not here to, to provide answers, we're here just to spark discussion. So, um, yeah. I think also, um, in response to the first part about balance, um, we, we were extremely careful. Uh, I think we wanted to at least present that everybody was flawed in some way uh, when it came to race. However, I think as a whole, um, I don't think it's out of our bounds or, or ability or we're, we're out of place to make it even a little bit skewed towards um, minorities being a little less guilty in a sense because um, you know for years and years the tradition in, in filmmaking in Hollywood I mean the biggest film one of the biggest films that, in, that inspired us was Crash and uh, even when you look at Crash as a film that was celebrated for you know the amount of work that it did towards exposing racism um, and talking about how racism is currently happening. 
we have this scene of retribution at the very end where uh, the cop, who's the one who plays the cop in that movie? Ryan. Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon. Oh. Yeah, Matt Dillon saves Thandie Newton's character from a car accident. Um, and he's kind of seen as this, you know, this great white hero, this great white male hero who um, sexually abused her in front of her husband earlier in the film. So who actually is the one who gets to experience justice in that situation? Um, and that's kind of the tradition that we go through in Hollywood and continue to go through in Hollywood. So um, even if our film is seen as unfair on the side of minorities, I'm completely okay with it. <laughs> Other questions, responses? So I enjoyed the film. I caught the last half of it. My name is Jay Turner. I work in the Cross Cultural Center. Hi, Russell. How you doing? Hello, Elon. Um, one of the things that I appreciated that I don't think we talk enough about is it kind of lends itself to the truth is never black and white, but there was a clip in there at the end where you have identifiably a person of color who says, well, I'm a minority, but I have an issue with him because he's black or whatever. And so one of the things that I think it's really hard for folks to understand, and I think our students on this campus, as well as across campuses in the nation, are bringing about not just this issue of white supremacy, but also anti-blackness and how that is perpetuated in terms of, it's not just black and white and, and who is doing the oppressing or the aggressing, but how a lot of black folks feel like, you know, we're hated not just by white people, but by other people of color who don't like us either. And so I like that you touched on that in, in the film, but I'm just wondering how we can better educate people around this notion of anti-blackness, which, which is tied to white supremacy, but it's not the same thing. Um, let's give that one to the black guy. So I think <laughs> it's a heavy conversation, right? Let's let, let's add a little bit of levity to it. But um, I I think that that is a very delicate conversation to have. Um, and I think that if we're going to get to the point, this is just my personal opinion, of course, disclaimer. But I think if we're going to get to the point where um, mainstream America, you know, white, majority white America is okay having a conversation about anti-blackness, they're going to have to be okay with having a conversation about racism in general first. And we're not really there yet, you know? Um, I think that we have just a lot of, a lot of work and a lot of healing to do. Um, I think that, you know, it's really, I have a lot of hope for uh, younger generations because they, you know, they don't really, you know, they can come up colorblind and hopefully remain that way. I have, I have a little bit of hope, but um, we'll see. But I think that, um, I think the point that I'm trying to get at is, you know, we have such wonderful mobilization around, um, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and things that are actually specifically addressing anti-blackness at this moment. Um, in our country, but uh, it, it has 
both effects. You know, it has this effect of educating people, and it has a huge effect of um, simultaneously just angering people who don't want to question themselves and, and dig deeper. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not any, there's not any one solution to anything uh, from, my, from where I'm sitting right here. I think that, you know, we just have to keep continuing to stand up for what we believe in and what we believe is right and continue to have open dialogue with one another like we're doing now. Yes. I wanted to ask Russell about this because you were a student here and I remember uh, the last time I remember you eating a rally here, or speaking at a rally, your fist was raised and took a picture of it at the flagpole. Uh, can you talk about how your experience at UCI contributed to uh, this film? Uh, we were writing this movie right then, during that time, um, or, or just after that. Uh, that was March 4th, 2010, if I remember correctly, right? That's actually how I met Russell, was at that rally. Yes. I just attended the rally and I saw this guy, you know, going at it and I thought he'd be a good person to talk to and I was right. <laughs> he made all that up. Um, no, no, so, yeah, it's, um, yeah, this movie would not have happened without any of that. Um, yeah, so I was, you know, pretty active, I guess I might say. Uh, but a lot of those events that, and it wasn't just me, I mean, this is tons and tons of other people um, who were mobilizing and, and just standing up and, and uh, you know, letting their voices be heard. It was all of these collective voices are heard in this movie, I'd like to say, you know. six years ago plus, right? Um, I don't say that, Jay. Um, but you're right. So solidarity politics are, are very tricky because, um, because of anti-blackness, for one. Uh, I don't think that that's, I'm not going to lay blame there, but I think that a lot of um, misunderstandings about where each group is coming from um, because everybody's experiences are different, right? There's no way for, for me to have had Andrew's experiences and for Andrew to have had mine. Um, but we can work together based on the fact that we want the same thing on a much larger scale, you know? Um, so I think personally, uh, from what I've experienced and what I've been through since my time as a student until now, uh, coalition and solidarity is important, but I think that um, no one person or no one group of people gets to speak for an entire race because it doesn't exist in the first place. Um, so I think that what 
it, what can be demanded of people locally and what people can gain from solidarity and coalitions locally or whatever that specific community is, those people get to decide and, and that should be, you know, pretty much the beginning and end of it. Or that might most effectively be the beginning and end of it. But I'm no expert, I've just, you know, been to a couple rallies and I've helped make a movie. I'm not, you know, but, so I don't know why my opinion is that important, but that's what I think. So if, if that helps anybody at all, wonderful. Yes, in the back. Um, well, first, thank you. Uh, it came out amazing, so thank you for your time and your message. My other comment is more interesting. I'm not sure I work, but now I'm nervous because you're all staring at me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I noticed in the film it was really prevalent to have the us them theme us against them, us them, us them, us them, over and over. And then again, in all four of your dialogues, or civil, white, majority, um, minority, anti-black, black. So I'm questioning, with this awareness, how are you still tackling the us-them mentality? Is it enough to just bring awareness without taking those steps in your life? And if you're taking those steps, what are you doing? I take this one first, please. <clears throat> so, you know, this film is just one approach to opening a door into a conversation there are multiple angles into opening up, you know, discussion, dialogue, etc. Uh, for me personally, um, being an Asian American that grew up in a predominantly Caucasian area, um, I brought also a different perspective, as Russell will tell you, to this film. Um, and for me, it's about reaching solidarity. Solidarity politics are not my expertise because I didn't study sociology. I studied economics and biology. Um, but I made friends with a lot of groups. I tried out for Rungla Punjab, you know, the, the dance team here, and I went out to Indian Subcontinental Club, et cetera. So I was able to uh, find uh, comfort in adaptability and being able to relate with different groups, so to speak, that basically self-congregated, self self essentially. So for me, um, you know, I don't think that this is the, the only way to open that up. It's not us versus them. This is just part of it. And it's supposed to be jarring for that reason. Um, I just had a conversation with some very conservative people, you know, and uh, it was very interesting in perspective. After making this film, um, I felt that their, and these people were Caucasian, American, <clears throat> their perspectives were a little bit off base, but that's all they saw. They were like, well, I came from a white, a poor white family, and um, when I was looking for loans, I couldn't get any, and they, those were all saved for Mexicans and blacks, and blah, 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 blah. And then he went on to say, like, oh, they want reparations for 300 years ago, and blah, you know, and, and I'm like, okay, I have a way different perspective now because I was able to immerse myself in this tough situation, right, in, in this tough self-reflection, having tough, long conversations with, with Russell and debates, um, and one other thing too they said was, you know, <clears throat> you know, when I was applying for business schools, for example, there weren't a lot of loans available to me because I wasn't considered an underrepresented minority. And I had zero problem with that. Um, but other people who don't see that side of it, they're like, well, the reason why you guys aren't offered loans, Asian Americans aren't offered a lot of loans is because you guys get up and you know work your asses off and all these other stereotypes that go along with being an Asian American, right? 
fact of the matter is, like Omar said, Russell's indicated, and all of you who have studied these things know that historically, um, minorities have not been treated well. Um, so anyway, I'm ranting at this point, but to answer your question directly from my perspective, um, it's not us versus them. That was portrayed in the movie, but even elements of the movie weren't us versus them either. There were elements of, 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 of um, unity throughout as well. You know, um, they may have been minor, but that was to amp up that plot point. You know, the narrative, so to speak. If I could add to that, just very briefly, um, after we had a, a table read for, for the script when we first started, and for those of you who don't know, that's when everyone just sits around a table and reads the script. Simple enough. Uh, after that, Lou Gossett Jr., who played the role of the older detective in the film. You know, he, he took a couple of us aside and he was talking to me and he said, you know, this is good. He goes, this is, this is really good. He goes, bring, bring people together. Just make it, make, make it all, you know, just bring everyone together. This is really good. Unite people. And then he goes, you're a good kid. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Blue Gossett. But, but uh, you know, he was, I, I feel like the, the us versus them mentality is definitely not something that we want to put out there. It's because we're, we're not going to solve a problem like this by polarizing other people. On the contrary, you need to bring everyone together. And, and again, that, I mean, we're, we're just repeating ourselves at this point, but that means having some uncomfortable uh, discussions. You know, the, one, one of the main characters in the film, who's Garrett, that the film ended with his death, I felt like he was kind of our surrogate into this world. Not necessarily a bad person, but he just was observing. And he was seeing some good things and seeing some bad things and deciding, I don't really want to take part in this, I'll just keep observing. And the message is, well, at the end of the film, it leads to his own destruction. And so if we all just decide that we're just going to sit back and watch and let someone else deal with this problem, it's, it's, it's going to come back and hurt us. It's really going to come back and hurt us on an individual level and then as a society. So that means what can we do? You know, what can we do to, to keep trying to solve this problem? Well, sure, making a movie like this, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not all going to go out there and make movies, right? Every one of us in, in, in your own personal life, find that one person that you can connect with and, 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 and have this discussion. And find someone, maybe it's, maybe, maybe it's kind of tough to connect with them and have that discussion. But it, and it's gonna happen, it's only going to you know, work out as a society when each one of us on a personal level makes a change. And it can be small, it's going to feel like it's small, but if everyone does it, it'll, it'll, it will change the world. And you know, I know that sounds really dramatic, but um, well, I think the fact that you, you picked up that it's not us versus them is a great sign, right? Because I think sometimes, and this is not, this is already a heavy topic and it's not to be dramatic or Debbie Downer, so to speak, but sometimes people find the funniest ways to make it us versus them, just as simple as sports or, you know, Dodgers fans beating up, uh, you know, a San Francisco Giants fan, you know, into a coma. It's like, dude, it's just sports. But it starts by being self-aware, and the fact that you were aware enough to say it's not us versus them. What is this about? You know, I think that's also a success point for us. And at least I feel good about that. Omar, I want to uh, just uh, push the envelope a little bit with you. Um, as you talked about um, you know, finding that one person or having that conversation and, and doing this work for a while, that is the hardest challenge for our students: is to cross that line to engage in conversation and to be received while having that conversation. So in your experience and words, what steps did our students take? And even our faculty and staff, because when we show 
white people last year. And our committee sat there and talked about showing the film, a diverse group of individuals. The room was very quiet. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, if we as a committee can't have this conversation, how is the general public gonna have that conversation? So I want to just you know challenge you to maybe you can you know shed some some you know wisdom or experience from from your background that might help us getting over that initial hurdle. Well, first let me say this: it, it gets even harder you know once once you start once you graduate college and then go into the corporate world because there are some things that are just taboo to talk about, right? And that's usually. It's usually all the things that really make a difference. It's like, you know, you can't talk about politics or religion. You definitely don't talk about racism in the workplace. It's just not something that, you know, it makes people uncomfortable. But at least when you're on a university campus, especially one as, as liberal and open-minded as, as UCI, at least you're not completely, you know, it's not that unorthodox to have these conversations. But I feel like while you're here, get some practice. While, while it's not so difficult and not so out of the ordinary, get some practice while you're here because once we go out there into the real world, you know, this is, this is going to be the next generation, right? And if, if we make it the new normal that we're all just having these honest conversations, maybe this next generation can grow and, and then these, these conversations can be had on, on a real level, whether that's in, in politics or in the workplace, and maybe, maybe we can change this taboo and turn it into something normal. But like I said, it's going to have to happen on a personal level. And it's going, I think the first step is allowing yourself to feel vulnerable and allowing yourself to feel like you're putting yourself out there. Um, yeah, that's, it, it's, it's tough, you know, it's, it's, it's not an easy job, but uh, yeah. We have time for two last questions. Um, two last questions. And three hands went up, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> A, um, there was a short clip. Remember those historical clips with like you know historical figures speaking? There was one clip with with Marlon Brando in there, um, where he says something along the lines of, "I'm just beginning to understand your struggle." That's, that's exactly what it is, and we haven't even scratched the surface, to be honest. Um, I spoke a minute ago about you know how many murders happened in 2015 uh, by cops, and I read a stat basically saying that 2015 is not really that different than the other years. We just don't know about it. Uh, I didn't know about it. Um, but it almost became 
a media thing where it became like a fad to talk about cops killing people rather than a real thing. That's kind of the problem with media these days is it's becoming more entertainment and nobody really cares about it, right? It's just news is entertainment. Um, so I, I don't understand the struggles, uh, which is why we felt very, very hypocritical even attempting to write something like this without, without someone like Russell. Um, we're never going to fully understand the struggles. Uh, I can only imagine what it is that people go through on the college campus, but I think what I agree with, with what Omar is saying is that it's, it's only going to get more difficult outside of the college campus because things become more and more uh, politically correct. And yeah, we hear, you know, you hear pop people in the workplace talking about the most ridiculous things and the most invasive, you know, invasive things to your privacy, but when it comes to who you're going to vote for, they're like, oh, dude, let's not talk about that. You know, that's just, that's like crossing the line. Um, but I think the more conversations we have, and there was a question asked earlier about what, what to do in the, in the school place and in classrooms. I think professors are kind of scared to have these conversations too. But to start that first question in a classroom, I remember I was in a, uh, when I was in school, I took a biology course in evolution. And it was one classroom where one time, one person dared to bring up the idea of creationism. And what about God? Does God exist when it comes to evolution? And then you found 300 people discussing it. It's like they were all, they all wanted to discuss it, but they were all scared. But once someone broke the ice, it continued. So to have a conversation today in a classroom, in a discussion class, was Obama the best president? How do we really feel about Trump? I mean, is it okay? Is it even legal, the things that he says or does? Is, how is that legal? Some things now change the rhetoric. Aside from whether or not Trump will become president, he has officially changed the rhetoric. He basically said, whether or not you agree with him, he said that it's okay to discuss certain things. And I think it's okay to feel this way about these kinds of people. And so that's why he has the polls that he has, I think. It's because he had the nerve to break that ice. I'm gonna make myself uncomfortable. He had nothing to lose. I mean, he's, what, a multi-billionaire? What does he have to lose, right? People don't like him anyway. People never liked him to begin with. So as far as he was concerned, I'm gonna take that step and look where it got him. I think if the good people are too scared to take that step, then we're only hurting ourselves, yeah. That's my take. I'm sorry, can I get clarification on your question? Are you asking um, how, we, how we get on with our days knowing the stuff that happens, the bad stuff that happens to minorities in general or to the African-American population? Yeah, that's, uh, that's tough because as he mentioned, we're, we're not in your shoes exactly, but I've been called racial slurs. Growing up in Yorba Linda, California, you know, like uh, my friends would call, one of them called me Anderson, you know, like, yeah, I'm not, first of all, I'm not in Japanese, secondly, that's really racist. Um, but it's, uh, you know, and, and things went on like that, um, and I just took it as the norm. Like, I was like, oh, this is normal, like, you know, being called these Asian, like, Asian things. Um, so, but once I started to realize that that wasn't right, I started to feel uncomfortable, right? So you go through, it's almost like when you lose a loved one, you start to go through steps of grieving. And then when once someone, when you get prejudiced, 
acted on in a prejudiced manner, you start to go through certain phases as well. I think we need to figure out what those phases are to deal with it um, in a healthy manner. Um, I can't say exactly what I would do if I were in your shoes, um, but looking back on it, the fact that I grew up in a predominantly Caucasian neighborhood actually has helped me assimilate into positions where I'm able to make the impact that I want to make, even if I have to bite my tongue in some instances, right? Uh, for example, running political campaigns, right? You're dealing with, one is dealing with some people with a lot of power, and those people have power, whether we like them or not, or the way they enact their changes, or what have you, or their agendas, they have power to impact a lot of lives, positively or negatively. But if I work my, myself in with, with certain people, or in certain positions, um, then I can have my own agenda where I can say, hey, you know, I know it sucks to be prejudiced upon because I have been, but not as badly as some other people. What can I do to help my position, the position of my community, right, um, in a bigger picture on a larger scale like Russell alluded to earlier? I think the fact that, you know, Russell's been able to navigate and sit here with you and talk to you and possibly serve as a role model or what have you, you know, he's probably faced tons of prejudice himself, which you've told me about, right, Russell? Um, and you've dealt with it in such a way that you've made it more productive. So um, it's a hard question to answer, but that's the best I can do for you. Thank you for calling me out on that. As soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, you know what, that's not really what I meant. So I appreciate that. Um, actually, this movie, a lot, of, a lot of my input in this movie was <clears throat> as, a, as a direct reaction to Obama being our president and people believing that we lived now in a colorblind society. Yeah, like it fixes everything, right? <laughs> right, which is, um, you know, I heard, I heard, I'm a big Clippers fan, and uh, once upon a time, Doc Rivers said that uh, it was around MLK Day, um, and he said, you know what, ideally we wouldn't have to, um, we won't have, uh, I'm gonna misquote it, but basically he, he said something along the lines of like, we won't have to um, worry about, you know, giving black people extra representation because everybody will be equally represented, meaning that there will be no racism, right? When he first said that, I was like, what the hell are you talking about? But I got it later on, right? So I think that's sort of the idealized colorblindness that I was kind of alluding to, which is the absence of racism, right? Um, especially being that race doesn't exist. So thank you for calling me on. I agree, it's just like I was thinking, when I, th when I think of race, or racism specifically, I think of it as like a power structure divide. So it's not, like to me, I don't care if people like think whatever they want to think about me as a, a person, a, a group per se, it's that they have access to resources and opportunities that I don't have that really bothers me. And so I want to make sure that like that's something that people focus on, not just like, oh, I got called names, but like, oh, I'm being literally oppressed and I can't have access to whatever uh, job or whatever opportunities other people have. And I think that's, huge deal because when all races for the most part, and race is a social construct, but when all groups of people for the most part have a fairly even 
like access to resources and opportunity, then we don't really have the same problem we have initially because that's really how they're able to like say, oh, my group is better than your group somehow because they have all access to these things. So of course they're going to have like things an edge, right? Sorry, I just wanted to say. Right, right. Um, yeah, and to respond to that, I you know I think that um, that's a little bit beyond the scope of what boiling pot. I think is even able to to get into, um, and I think that was that you're only human, <laughs> right? And it's just one movie, right? Um, so I believe that you know, hopefully, because we're our our audience, in my opinion, is people who are in denial of racism existing in the first place. Yeah. So we jar them out of that belief, and then we can go from there. Our audience is not necessarily the conscious black like activist necessarily. Um, so, yes, I'm going to stop talking. Okay, we have a question in back, and this gentleman will be our last question tonight. Uh, hi, uh, I really enjoyed the film, and I, uh, I really appreciate the, the value of what we get uh, after, afterwards, right? It's like a reflection, like a mirror of society, uh, of how to the audience, you know, allows us to develop, you know, dialogue, you know, pose questions on society, and ourselves really like an evaluation of where we stand in society and how we're complicit um, with producing racism and uh, stereotypes. Um, uh, I have uh, two questions. Like, um, I'm a senior in high school, and while I do uh, believe that there is uh, violence within academic spaces, and I do like how your film uh, acknowledges that and addresses that, However, um, how do you um, how do you create action from uh, dialogue, or um, um, or would you uh, would you show this to um, uh, like high schools or uh, schools other than colleges? Because um, not speaking as someone that is representative of an entire body, but I I will say that there is. Uh, issues such as racism, even critical issues such as anti-blackness within high schools that isn't really addressed or even, uh, uh, like, people aren't aware, right? And it's like a huge issue. Uh, like, like, what would you, um, like, how would you address that, I guess, is my question. I think this is a little tough for high schools, per se, or like, at large, to, you know, to digest necessarily because um, you know the cursing in the movie, the violence in the movie, all those types of things. Uh, would I love it if every high school could could view this movie? Absolutely. Um, but I think that you know that's going to have to be decided on sort of as a case by case basis. But um, and yeah, I think that however, um, I think that we need to do a lot in order to. Um, open up dialogue as early as possible. I, I think that it's a shame that people have to wait until they turn 18 and have the privilege enough to come to a university to actually even be exposed to something like this in the first place when it's been affecting them their entire lives. So I'm all in favor of opening these discussions as early as possible. Um, is boiling pot necessarily the best thing to do for you know 14 and 15 year olds to see? Maybe, maybe not, but we can see. Yeah, a second. Um, did you get your second part of your question? Uh, um, I guess after releasing this film, have you heard back from like?
staff at universities saying how the film has impacted student life and whether or not it has addressed um, uh, racial violence in university spaces. You know, we, we did have a number of screenings on university campuses uh, that I was mentioning earlier before the film started. And uh, the, the people who put on those screenings have told us that they've had similar discussions like the ones that we're having now. I feel like translating dialogue into action is going to be something that happens over time. Um, this is a problem 300 years in the making, and it's certainly not going to change overnight. But um, if every one of us tries to make a little bit of a difference every day, then hopefully, like we keep saying, this next generation can be better off. And I wanted to just respond to your first question. I do believe that as we talked earlier about that family, that television, you know, high school students are exposed to racism every single day. Every single day. And it should not be a shell shock when they come to the university and get an opportunity to speak about it. So I believe with the right facilitators, uh, you know, you see BSUs in high schools that are uh, you know, asking for things, you see other groups that are asking for equality. So I believe this is a great place to have that discussion and not wait until you get to the college environment so you prepare to navigate through the system. Hello. Uh, I want to congratulate you for having the courage to make uh, this film. I know that you said that one of the reasons, one of the main reasons uh, why you actually chose to make this film is to actually start a conversation. Um, I think it makes us all a little bit uncomfortable after viewing such a film because it brings about, I think, the collective guilt that in some way we all share because in some way we, we feel like there's something that we should actually take part of and actually question ourselves. Now my question is, is uh, like you said, you left some unanswered questions uh, for the viewer to actually try to, I guess, question themselves. Uh, do, was that the strategy in some way to uh, start that conversation among not only here, but go home and actually talk and engage people to try to actually question if they do have this, these implicit uh, you know, thoughts and racism with it? I mean, I, I feel like, again, as filmmakers, when we give the answer, when we first pose a problem and then provide the answer for it, then we are saying this is how to solve the problem of racism in our, in our community, in our society, in our country. And we sure as heck don't know what the answer is. Um, and it's not one answer either, right? Each one of us is in a different situation. And to say that this is what you need to do in order to make a difference, well, that's just going to be dishonest on us because we don't know every one of you on a personal level and we don't know that your experiences and what you can add. So I feel like that's up to you. When I say you, I mean everyone in here. So everyone can ask, what can I add? And everyone's going to have a different answer to that question because everyone has their own experiences and, and their own talents. So what we tried to add was, hey, let's put together our talent as, as artists and filmmakers to put, a movie like, to put, a, put out a movie like this. Um, but I feel that everyone needs to ask themselves that same question and then all of us can contribute something and then kind of come to a, come to a, a better place uh, as, as a society. So, yeah, hopefully uh, we can do that, we can get started. Well, I want to thank Ibrahim, I want to thank uh, Andrew, Russell, and Omar for uh, coming tonight and uh, participating in our program from New Narrows. Can we give them a round of applause? talked about you know examining our own biases about taking a step whether that be a small step or a large step 
We talk, we talk about having difficult conversations, yet important conversations, in an arena that we felt are safe, but yet challenge our perspectives. I want to reiterate that tomorrow between 11 and 1, if you'd like to continue this dialogue, if you want to take that step, I encourage you to go to the Cross Cultural Center, and there'll be staff there that will help facilitate the dialogue. And really, that will be an initial step in terms of further understanding and sharing a perspective that may not have been shared here. Again, I want to reiterate, I know that these can be difficult conversations, but if we are going to change as a society, we have to take that first step. Uh, these programs just don't happen by themselves, so I would like to thank the, uh, you know, the New Narratives Committee, the Vice Chancellor's Office, the Student Affairs Office for all their hard work. If we could give them a round of applause. program is going to be Mixed uh, Race, Mixed Tape, which is going to be uh, a musical performance, uh, again, dealing with uh, the issue of diversity and inclusion, and uh, also on, that is going to be May 19th, on April 30th, uh, uh, Cornell West will be uh, part of our, our repertoire under uh, Dr. Parham's uh, you know, oversight, so we will uh, provide you information about that as it's coming. We want to thank you for coming tonight. We know it's been a long night, but we really appreciate your commitment and your support. Uh, the uh, team will still be up on stage for a little while if you want to just stop by and ask them any questions. And you have a great night. We'll see you at the next new narrative.